Nobody has ever been happier to be back at work than me. Good morning. It is seven minutes after nine o'clock, and uh, boy, we, we it was so it was uh, it, it's billed as vacation time, but it was not. Um, I wanted to get a little bit uh, a little bit closer to work, and so we moved. And I also didn't like condominium living so much, so I we bought a house. And then all hell broke loose. It was just a week of nonstop work. And uh, so I'm actually glad to be back at work. This is actually a break <laughs> from the moving thing. We're still not completely unpacked, but at least we can uh, we can survive. So I'm ever so grateful for everybody that filled in for me, uh, including Jennifer Bukowski, who's going to be with us about an hour and 20 minutes from now talking about, among other things, uh, books, uh, of all things, uh, because apparently Jay Ashcroft um, wants uh, some books banned, I think. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, Gavin Newsom's wife emailed Harvey Weinstein asking him, for help dealing with the, the California governor's cheating scandal two years after the movie mag, uh, magnate uh, raped and sexually assaulted her. <laughs> oh, that's strange, but that's what the court heard. Uh, so we got that. Saudi Arabia sentencing U.S. citizens to 16 years in prison for tweets, among other things. So we got a, a full boat from Jennifer. Uh, I got some audio for you that I really, I, I, I listened to this uh, debate and this uh, this woman talking about families, and I thought, boy, if progressives just start to understand this, if they just get it, uh, by the woman, uh, by the woman, by the way, the woman is black, uh, and here she is uh, talking about families. Yes, I think that the black community does actually need strong nuclear families, but not because we're black, but because that's the natural order. Amen. And so I think it would be safe to say that Reese may not be a Christian because when God looked at man, he said it's not good for man to be alone. He gave him a woman. He didn't Amen. give him a village. He didn't give him the community. He said, be fruitful and multiply to this man and this woman. So it's supposed to be God husband, wife, child. And that's the natural order. And that's why I think we can see some of the foolishness that we see in the black community because we are out of order. And we can make up all of this stuff that sounds good. I'm from a single parent home and I'm not somewhere cracked out in the street selling my body. However, that is not ideal. It would have been better for me to be in God's order to have a mother and a father to raise me. And that's just what it is. You know, the effect that it's had, we've had women for generations now saying that they don't need a man and we have boys that don't want to be one. Whoa. Oh, I was impressed. That was good. Uh, but now I, I'm going to move on. I'm going to play one more uh, piece of audio here. Uh, and this is a biracial girl. She's uh, half black and half white. Why? You know, it, it is so stupid that we have to explain this. She's just an American. But she's going after white privilege. Let's go ahead and debunk this whole white privilege thing. Is there a white entertainment category on Netflix, Hulu, and Prime? 
No, but there is a black one. Is there a white-owned restaurant category on Uber Eats? No, but there is a black one. Are white people being hired to fill a diversity quota in corporations and companies? No, but black people are. And is there a whole system of affirmative action for white students that puts them in colleges of which they are unfit to attend purely based on their race? No, but there is one for black students. And can white people go out and riot and loot and burn down businesses in the streets while being cheered on by the political left? No, but black people can. White people, don't you dare say a word because you'll be labeled a racist. If you want to know who's in power in your country, think about who you cannot criticize. Wow. Powerful and dead nuts on. You can't you can't uh, you can't make these observations. You would get Can you imagine the ridicule if you came out with a uh, a channel for white people? Like they have for blacks, you you would be eviscerated. You'd be a racist, but you can do it. You can have a a, a TV channel just for blacks, and everybody will carry it. We need to stop thinking about this uh, in terms of Italian American, Black American, Hispanic American, Arab American. We just need to realize we're all Americans, and quit treating each other differently it's frustrating to me to watch this this mindset that somehow everybody owes one or two groups constantly we never stop owing them for sins we didn't commit and and frankly uh, against people who are no longer alive get off your ass and go to work Quit complaining about not getting a, a handout here or reparations there or whatever it is you want. Get your butt back to work. Make a living. Feed your family. Be responsible. Take care of your children. I'm so tired of this racist crap. You know, I came back from vacation uh, in, in, in a pretty good mood, don't you think, Brian? Wait, you are on vacation? Well, that's I, what they- I didn't notice. <laughs> what does that mean exactly? I'm not sure. All right, I'm going to move on. We're going to talk about the economy because the economy is good. Oh, it's uh, none, never better. Yeah. Really? He's eating an ice cream cone. The audio is not particularly good. I'm not even sure if I should bother playing it. But he thinks the uh, the economy is just fine. There's there's you know there's really there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I don't think anybody else believes this. I, I how could he be so numb? How could he be? So, maybe he it's because he's not gassing up the beast. He doesn't know how much it costs. Maybe because he hasn't taken a lap through a, a, a Gerbs in his uh, entire life. He, he doesn't know how much food costs. But it is not good. The economy sucks. And it didn't have to. You know, I was thinking about this while I was, uh, while I was doing the moving. I was Because uh, I keep the news on all the time. The United States has always been a country of excess. Think about uh, the the houses that we built, 
the cars that we drove, uh, everything that we that was that you could want, we've had in excess. I mean, think about think about those cars in the 1950s and 60s, uh, chrome-laden beasts that were literally rolling works of art. They were fabulous. Now everything looks like a jelly bean, and 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 they're going to this battery-powered stuff, and the houses are small and tiny, and we're looking at riding around on bicycles, and we can't get baby formula, and we can't get uh, other medicine. I mean, it, it just is, we've gone from a country of excess almost to the European model. And we've, we've done this to ourselves. Look at this. We can't get a gallon of gas for a reasonable price. We, we, can't, we can't buy food. At a re- we used to have so much. There was such an abundance of everything. And if whatever you wanted, you could get your hands on. Now suddenly we've got all these, all these problems with getting product to market. And, and what's causing it? What's causing it? Well, it's because we're moving to that European model where the government controls everything. That's what's causing it. From the, uh, you know, from the, uh, uh, from California all the way across the country. We've got big government regulating everything, gumming up the works, slowing things down. That's the problem. We should be just like we were in the 1950s and the 1960s. We should have an abundance of everything. We should walk into the grocery stores like we used to and see the shelves all full. We don't. We don't because the size of government has gotten so out of hand. Supply chain issues would disappear the government would get the hell out of the way. And I don't just blame Democrats for this. I blame Republicans for this, too. Anyway, 874-9390. The toll-free number is 800-529-5572. That gets you into the studio's chat with yours truly. Uh, you can also uh, send a message uh, through GaryNolan.com. Uh, I'm going to go grab a phone call, then take a break and take the rest of your calls. Rick is up first. Rick, welcome. How are you? Great. Hey, listen, in that Biden speaking that you just played, yeah. the problem there is, he says, I'm not worried about the U.S., I'm worried about the rest of the world. And that is a whole bunch of the problem. You know, I watched the January 6th committee meet last week, and at the very end of it, they showed President Trump making his speech on January 6th, and it said, Save America March. And it, I saw that as an in-your-face moment from the left. It's too late to save America. We, the liberals, we, the swamp, control you, America. You're ours. And now people in America are starving to death. Yeah, when, My goodness. When have you ever seen this country in this position before? Never. This, this is the Biden depression. It's not a recession. It's a depression. And the liberals in the news media admit it. People are going hungry in America. 
Ah. Yeah, it's it's like, oh, this can't be. Thanks for the time, Gary. Thanks, Rick, for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Up against the clock, back to grab your calls. This is the shortest break of the hour, and I look forward to chatting with you on the other side of it. Don't forget Jennifer Bukowski on board about an hour from now to talk about Jay Ashcroft. Potential Missouri governor candidate floats library book ban proposal. That's coming up in the Gary Nolan Show. The Zimmer Radio Network. It's 923. One of the most crime-ridden cities in the entire country is right here in Missouri, St. Louis. And apparently the police department's uh, struggling there with staffing shortages. Maybe we should have given law enforcement a titch more respect uh, than, uh, than we have, and, and maybe that wouldn't be a problem. Uh, but if you're driving through St. Louis, uh, speed, the life you save may be your own. Uh, we were talking about uh, the economy and uh, race when we opened the program, uh, and we will uh, take some phone calls on that, but we've got a lot of other ground to cover, uh, including the aforementioned uh, St. Louis police problem. Let me go to the phones. Herb is on the line. Herb, welcome. How are you? I'm well. All of the issues that you've been talking about this morning, to me, have a common denominator. And that goes back way back to the Communist Party USA, the Weather Underground, and Bill Ayers in particular. Uh, Bill Ayers uh, organized the Black Panthers out of Oakland, California, with his other communist buddies. His communist buddy, uh, uh, Cloward and Piven's strategy to bankrupt the country. Uh, the goal number, I think it was like somewhere around 38, was to uh, disrespect and defund the police. Uh, and around to- uh, goal number 24 through 26 was demoralize the country and promote, promote uh, obscenity and uh, lewdness and objectionable behavior. Uh, it all boils down to the leadership of one individual that's been the mentor to Barack Obama and through Barack Obama controlling uh, uh, Joe Biden. You know, is you've got to consider looking at what Bill Ayers has been up to during all these these years. He and I are both 77 years old. I've been following him since 63. And I'm really curious as to what his October surprise is going to be, because if they allow free and fair elections, they're going to lose all the power that they've worked a lifetime to accumulate. Do you agree with any of this? Oh, that uh, that they're uh, Cloward and Piven and, and all that. Yeah, I, uh, there's no doubt that they've been uh, taking pages from that. Uh, I'm yeah. not. I'm not sure that there's going to be an October surprise that'll save them. Well, do you think they will attempt an October surprise? Well, they always do. I mean, every, every side Correct. does. So, Correct. Yeah, yeah, you can expect now, it. But I, I will tell you right now, and I, I predicted this. Just so you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of two months ago, I started telling everybody, Democrats are going to lose the House and the Senate. They they peak too early. This is going to flip. And I've got some information that I'm going to share with listeners and you in just a few minutes. Herb, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Yeah, uh, October surprise or not, Democrats are struggling. They're in trouble. Uh, over at Real Clear Politics, uh,
they're looking things over, and their projection is <clears throat> for the Republicans to take the Senate. Brian, somebody else has been saying that for about almost two months now. I'm trying to think who that was. He was it's just not coming to me. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, clairvoyant predicting that the Democrats had peaked too early, that the Republicans would come back, and that's exactly what's happening. Uh, in Ohio, Vance is now up. Uh, I don't see how Fetterman survives. Oh, I do. By the way, well, the he, problem... He's coming on strong last minute, and... Uh, Fetterman is. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's those public speeches that, that really are getting him votes. Yeah, and there was one in particular that I'm having a little difficult time with. I still like the guy, man. I think he's just... Uh, oh, perfect. He's yeah. rocking it. Yeah. But this particular cut, I I didn't know. And I thought maybe you could uh, help Tra me. You want to translate it yeah. for you? Can you All do right, that? Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Send me to Washington, D.C. <laughs> Take on to make sure I push back against work to work. All right. Push well, back against work to work. Yeah, that's the part I got. I didn't understand the first part. What was that first part? Uh Something about going to Washington D.C. Oh, I don't, I, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Send there. me to Washington D.C. Oh, that doesn't make sense at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, you want him to fight work to work. Okay. You, I, you, you can't have people just working. You know, work to work. Right. Um, you need somebody in there to a stop champion that. to stop that. Yeah. Okay. That all makes right? perfect sense now because sure. he's never worked to work in his life, right? No. No. Okay. <laughs> He didn't even show up for the job he got elected for. Uh, I, he is, the Democrats are so desperate in Pennsylvania to get that seat that they have literally timed the debate so late in the game that they think they're going to take advantage of the early mail-in votes from Democrats because they tend to mail-in votes more often than uh, Republicans. Um, and then uh, have the debate, and so... After the debate, there might be some buyer's remorse, but the, the votes are already counted. I don't think it's going to save Fetterman. I don't, I don't think they're uh, uh, sampling enough Republicans in their polling data. He is, I believe, within the margin of error right now for Oz, who's not a particularly good candidate. But, uh, but I think uh, as the momentum continues to build over the next two and a half, three weeks, I I think it goes uh, I think it goes to Oz and I I also think and this is a stretch I, uh, this is the hardest the hardest one of of my predictions is Georgia uh, but I I just think that uh, the Republican governor has enough coattails because he's really hammering his opponent that it uh, it brings it uh, it brings the seat back to the Republicans and Warnock is gone. They, the Democrats just peaked too soon. They thought they had something with the abortion issue, but it, it doesn't seem to be resonating anymore. Uh, people are realizing it's, it's not the devastating legislation that uh, Democrats hoped it would be, but the economy is. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show.
935. Glad to have you with us. Jennifer Bukowski, uh, exactly an hour from now. Book banning in Missouri. Hmm, interesting. We'll, tack- we'll tackle that topic and find out what it's all about uh, when she gets on board. In the meantime, I, this is just uh, one of those things. I was thinking about what you and I do for, for a living, Brian. And uh, I'm curious, when did you decide... Uh, well, let me ask you this way. What did you think you would be doing for a living when you were in high school? I didn't really know. Uh, I had some ideas on directions that I wanted to go in life, but I never really arrived at any conclusion as far as, you know. Did you have a desire? Like, boy, I would really like to. I always liked building stuff, and uh, I, I'm kind of surprised that I didn't head in that direction, like construction or something, but... Uh-huh. Uh, Kind of ended up in talk radio and music radio and just stayed here for the longest time. Never escaped. <laughs> well, it's kind of been a, a running joke. Once you get into broadcasting, you can't leave. <laughs> You're stuck here forever. I don't know. But I enjoy what I do. It's uh, I like fast-paced environments and, you know, things changing from minute to minute. I kind of uh, thrive on that. Well, I'm just curious. What when you were in high school? Not just you, Brian, but anybody. When you were in high school, did you think to yourself, "This is what I want to do for a living"? And and did it turn out that way? What did you want to do for a living? Did you, whatever it is you're doing, was that your goal? Did you stumble into it? We did this piece. We do this piece uh, during the uh, commercial breaks with Mike Rowe. Um, and it's talking about following your dreams. And it, it really is a, a pretty intuitive piece. It's a pretty good piece. Uh, that, and Brian uh, kind of brought it to the table. And uh, we play it uh, during the breaks. And he talks about how, you know, when someone like Lady Gaga says, follow your dreams, how can she say that? She doesn't know what your dreams are. In fact, can we uh, can we bring that up, Brian? Is there a way to isolate uh, that? Yeah, let me see if I can find that. So I'm curious, when you were in high school, when you were growing up, <clears throat> did you have any idea what you wanted to be? Did you have any idea what you wanted to do? And, and did it turn out that way? What are you doing now? Are you doing what you were hoping you'd do? Or did you stumble into something else entirely different? Uh, here's Mike Rowe on this piece, and it really is, it, it's, kind of, uh, it's kind of intuitive, I think. Here it is. There are only two things I can tell you today that come with absolutely no agenda. The first is congratulations. The second is good luck. Everything else is what I like to call the dirty truth, which is just another way of saying it's my opinion. And in my opinion, you have all been given some terrible advice. And that advice is this. Follow your passion. Every time I watch the Oscars, I cringe when some famous movie star, trophy in hand, starts to deconstruct the secret of their success. It's always the same thing. Don't let anyone tell you that you don't have what it takes, kid. And the ever-popular, never give up on your dreams. Look, I understand the importance of persistence and the value of encouragement, but who tells a stranger to never give up on their dreams without even knowing what it is they're dreaming? I mean, how can Lady Gaga possibly know where your passion will lead you? Have these people never seen American Idol? 
Year after year, thousands of aspiring American idols show up with great expectations, only to learn that they don't possess the skills they thought they did. What's really amazing, though, is not their lack of talent. The world's full of people who can't sing. It's their genuine shock at being rejected. The incredible realization that their passion and their ability had nothing to do with each other. Look, if we're talking about your hobby, by all means, let your passion lead you. But when it comes to making a living, it's easy to forget the dirty truth. Just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean you won't suck at it. And just because you've earned a degree in your chosen field, it doesn't mean you're going to find your dream job. Dream jobs are usually just that, dreams. But their imaginary existence just might keep you from exploring careers that offer a legitimate chance to perform meaningful work and develop a genuine passion for the job you already have. Because here's another dirty truth. Your happiness on the job has very little to do with the work itself. On Dirty Jobs, I remember a very successful septic tank cleaner, a multimillionaire who told me the secret to his success. I looked around to see where everyone else was headed, he said, and then I went the opposite way. Then I got good at my work. Then I began to prosper. And then one day I realized I was passionate about other people's crap. I've heard that same basic story from welders, plumbers, carpenters, electricians, HVAC professionals, hundreds of other skilled tradesmen who followed opportunity, not passion, and prospered as a result. Consider the reality of the current job market. Right now, millions of people with degrees and diplomas are out there competing for a relatively narrow set of opportunities that polite society calls good careers. Now, meanwhile, Employers are struggling to fill nearly 5.8 million jobs that nobody's trained to do. This is the skills gap. It's real. And its cause is actually very simple. When people follow their passion, they miss out on all kinds of opportunities they didn't even know existed. When I was 16, I wanted to follow in my grandfather's footsteps. He was a skilled tradesman, could build a house without a blueprint. That was my passion, and I followed it for years. I took all the shop classes at school. I did all I could to absorb the knowledge and skill that came so easily to my granddad. Unfortunately, the handy gene is recessive. It skipped right over me, and I struggled mightily to overcome my deficiencies, but I couldn't. I was one of those contestants on American Idol who believed his passion was enough to ensure his success. One day... I brought home a sconce I had made in wood shop. Looked like a paramecium. After a heavy sigh, my granddad gave me the best advice I've ever received. He told me, Mike, you can still be a tradesman, but only if you get yourself a different kind of toolbox. At the time, this felt contrary to everything I believed about the importance of passion and persistence and staying the course. But of course he was right, because Staying the course, that only makes sense if you're headed in a sensible direction. And while passion is way too important to be without, it is way too fickle to follow around. Which brings us to the final dirty truth. Never follow your passion, but always bring it with you. Congratulations again, and good luck. I'm Mike Rowe from MicroWorks for Prager University.
Okay, so what did you want to do when you were growing up? Did you have a, a plan in mind? Did you say to yourself, boy, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. And did it work out? Or are you in a completely different field? And if you are, how did how did you get there? Like, if you're in farming, or your, your family might might have been a fan, and you thought, well, I want to be a farmer too. I want to do what my parents did. What what were your dreams when you were a kid about what you would do? I will tell you embarrassingly that I wanted to sing. I wanted to be a singer. Love music. Love uh, the barroom crooners. They were my favorites. Um, the, the old joke is, uh, I wanted to sing badly, and now I do. But it, it didn't turn out that way. Uh, it, it just... Uh, <laughs> People were real picky. They wanted to hear people sing in tune. So what was your passion? What did you want to be? What did you want to do? What was your dream? Imagine you, you're 17 years old, 18 years old, uh, and you're, you're thinking about the next step in life. You're about to graduate from high school, and you're maybe even panicking a little about what you're going to do. Did you... Did you have a dream? Did you have a goal? Did you say to yourself, this is what I would love to do? And did it work out? 874-9390. 800-529-5572. Or go to GaryNolan.com. Send me a message. It'll pop up right here in studio. It's the Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 9.50. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. So, uh, Eddie says that he wanted to work on the railroad. Loved trains growing up. Thought for sure he would be an engineer. Uh, he says uh, that he now drives a tractor trailer. He was just looking for, mon uh, looking for money, looking for a job, and did this to fill in and never gave it up. It's amazing how you can have these dreams about what you want to do for a living and then not have it happen. Uh, let me go to Monty. Monty, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. How are you? Morning. I'm I'm fine. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, oh, I always wanted, I always liked radio, and I wanted to be on the radio. So I started uh, hanging out at the local 1,000-watt radio station in my town in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, which is on the eastern tip of Lake Superior. And um, the uh, one day it was a big storm that kicked up, and <clears throat> uh, the um, when I was hanging around this radio station, I had learned to operate the the board at the station, and and um, the uh, the entire staff went home to uh, take care of their homes because the the storm had taken over the town, and I was the only one that could operate the board, and. Uh, it turned out to be the storm that uh, sunk the Edmund Fitzgerald. So I, I ended up uh, reporting the, uh, breaking the news for the uh, the uh, Fitzgerald thing. And I thought I'd be in the news business for the, uh, or in the uh, radio business for the rest of my life, just reporting news and operating uh the board and inner radio station, but I never could get over the mic freight, so it, it turned out not to be my my job for the rest of my life. But so, what did you end up doing? I ended up uh, 
working in the datacom industry because the datacom industry ended up sprouting. I moved uh, moved out of the small town I was in and uh, getting it getting into a high tech job after after a few years in the radio <laughs> business. So. Smart smart move on your part. You you could have been stuck yeah. working for peanuts like us. Yeah, I, I uh, made my 15 minutes of fame reporting the Fitzgerald incident, and that was about it in the radio business. <laughs> All right. Monty, thanks for the call. Yeah, Glad to have you. Talk, good talking to you. All right, take care. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Yeah, a couple of people who had a dream, and it, it didn't, uh, didn't turn out that way. I don't think it does for a lot of us. It usually ends up that we, we find something else, uh, and uh, we get stuck doing that, and... We never go away from it. Uh, I didn't. The dream of being in radio didn't start for me until uh, I caught, of all things, the Phil Donahue show. If anybody is old enough to remember Phil Donahue, uh, he went to uh, a high school that was the rival to the high school I went to. He went to St. Ed's and uh, in Lakewood, Ohio. And uh, I, I watched his program, and he was way to the left. And I thought, boy, there's got to be somebody out there that that can, you know, play the other side of the coin, uh, and and that's kind of what got me going. That and a guy named John Lanigan. Uh, if you're from Northeast Ohio, you may remember John Lanigan. He was uh, he was a music jock, really funny guy, had a terrific show. Uh, he was uh, he was he was on in Cleveland for probably 20 years, and really really knocked him dead. Uh, and between the two of them, that's that's what drove me to radio. <clears throat> so, anyway, let me move on. Let me see. What do we got here? Is, is Ross on topic? Yes. All right. Ross, welcome to the program. How are you? Oh, good. And how are you doing? I'm doing well. What what got you? What, what was your dream when you were in high school? What did you want to do for a living? Well, I grew up on a farm, and I always wanted to be on the farm, and well, times are tough back in those days in the early 80s, and I didn't make it that way, but I did end up with a farm. Uh, everything's paid for, and I kind of bounced around from different jobs on 12 to 14 years apiece, and I ended up in a dump truck. I've been doing it for about 20 years now, and I've told both my boys, you know, it's not necessarily the job you're doing, but be good at the job you're doing. See, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Like, why would anybody want to be in farming? I, and I know you guys out there who are in farming, you, 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 you know, you just, you're working such ungodly hours. It's so labor intensive, so challenging to make a living doing it. And yet they love, why? What is it about all that you know, work? It, it, it's in your blood. It just literally is in your blood. Uh, I personally write as of. The last numerous years, I do not farm my own ground. I rent it out. I do raise cattle, and uh, I sell, I feed calves out for people to buy to eat right off the farm. That's kind of my my sideline deal. But you know, it, the, the key thing is, and people don't understand. You know, they they complain about their job. You know, do your job and do it well, and be good at it, and people will notice that, and you will move on in the world and be better. But people just kind of want to just. You know, just do barely enough to just kind of sneak by and get a paycheck. Do your job well and be good at it. Yeah, that's not bad advice. Not bad advice at all. 
All right, Ross, thank you for the call. Thank you. All right, glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. All right, uh, Biden is uh, destroying your 401k. Uh, this is a story from the Daily Mail. Soaring inflation has wiped out $2.1 trillion, an average 25% off America's American workers' retirement savings. Although things are looking a little, little bit better today uh, and, and apparently yesterday than they have. Uh, but it's the vicissitudes uh, uh, of the market are really hard really hard to live with. Uh, but there is a forecast for the economy within the next year. A U.S. recession. Is I, a, I've heard of it is strong as hell, so I don't know what you're saying here, but... Strong, strong as hell. Yeah. Uh-huh. What flippin' moron would say something as stupid as that? Our economy is strong as hell. I don't know who, oh, who was that. That flippin' moron. Okay. Uh, a U.S. recession is effectively certain in the next 12 months. In uh, new Bloomberg economics model projections, a blow to the president uh, and his economic messaging ahead of the November midterms. The latest recession probability models by Bloomberg economists Anna Wong and Eliza Winger forecast a higher recession probability across all time frames with the 12-month estimate of a downturn by October 2023 hitting 100%, up from 65% for the comparable period in the previous update. The forecast will be unwelcome news for Biden, who has repeatedly said the U.S. will avoid a recession. We're already in a recession. Uh, and that the downturn would be very slight as he seeks to reassure Americans the economy is on solid footing under his administration. But tightening financial con conditions, persistent inflation and expectations of a hawkish Federal Reserve pressing uh, ahead with hikes are raising the risk of contraction. Uh, Mark Zandi says a recession may come in the second half of 2023. Uh, the model is more certain of a recession than other forecasts. Look, you, you can't expect <clears throat> the unemployment numbers to totally reflect what's going on in the marketplace just yet. They, they are what we call a lagging indicator. But they're starting to show their signs of weakness. And eventually, as these corporations and these major corporations are already planning on this, uh, on the economy slowing down, they're already talking about uh, what their plans will be for the recession. So they know they're going to be letting people go. The unemployment numbers are going to change, and it's not going to be pretty. Banning books in Missouri. That'll be with Jennifer Bukowski in the next half hour. On the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.